I respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugambeh language region, the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, and pay my respects to their elders past and present, and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hello guys and welcome to Miss Inclusivity, the podcast. This week we are joined by the lovely Amy and she is going to be talking all things wellness as an experienced teacher. Welcome, Amy. Oh, thanks for having me. Super uh, exciting. So exciting that we finally got this underway. I'm very excited to have you. Um, so we always start every podcast with the exact same um, question and that is what made you want to be a teacher? Uh, well, actually, I didn't start my university experience doing teacher training I started off doing uh, design for theatre and television which was super fun but probably too much fun and I remember this at this moment going oh I don't even know if this is like a real thing like I don't how do you get a job doing this and I always wanted to do teaching but like many good teachers I slacked off a little bit in my last few years of high school I did and- the same yeah <laughs> And um, got into university on some early entry marks, which means I did not get the grades needed to go into um, teaching at all. But I was already in the door. I walked into the education office and was like, look, I really wanted to do teaching. Can I do it? And they were like, yeah, no problem. We'll transfer you. And I've always loved, um, I've just always loved children, kids and helping. And I've got younger brothers who are like 10 and 12 years younger than I am. So I was always practicing with them and helping them learn. And the more I taught, the more I loved it too. It wasn't one of those, yeah, one of those things where I thought, oh, I don't want to do it. Like I still love it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love that so much that I've got the similar same sort of thing with the grades and especially with that early entry thing as well. I feel like any person who gets their early entry after they get that in high school, they're just like, Oh, I really don't care now. (laughs) Whatever I'm in. Um, What would you say has been the highlight of your teaching career? Um, I think, I mean, apart from the students and watching them grow and all those lovely things, the the travel that I've been able to use with my teaching degree. So I grew up in country New South Wales, but then I taught in Canberra. I have been taught in London for three years, which was amazing. Wow. Yeah, to teach over there. Uh, I, I kind of say to people that was the best professional development I've ever done. It was phenomenal to do three full school years over there. Um, and I've been... I'm now in Brisbane, so I'm teaching up here. So I just think the the diversity that you get to have being a teacher and you can take this profession and this career anywhere. I think that's a really... Yeah, and I bet it would have been very interesting seeing like the differences and the similarities between the Australian and the English school system. Yeah, hugely. From when I went and then three years later when I came back, it was kind of like I went into this time travel vortex where time moved forward and I would say that what happens in in the school I was at in London especially in that system there it was almost like 10 years ahead of how I found Australia was when I came back I think around um some of the the standards like we have our ATIL standards but they were very new coming in uh this would have been like mm, 2014-ish when I came back so they were still a newish document being used and they still are with some people now whereas in, in the UK you know they have Ofsted and they had all of those standards and they'd been doing things like that for a really long time Oh, yeah, I've heard of that, what you said, offset, is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, yeah, I think I've heard of that. Wow, see, they're just pillars. They're way more ahead of their All time. All kinds of different things, yeah. Yeah, wow. And it'd be very interesting getting into the lingo of what they, they're used to over there as well. Super interesting. That'd be amazing. What would you say on the flip side has been one of the challenges of your teaching career so far? <sighs> oh, um, gosh, my first few years, I just didn't have a life when I started teaching. 
Um, like it's a hard gig and I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think that it's identified and I don't think that there are strategies in place to be able to support educators coming through. And I, the reason I say it's hard and, and challenging and I know like, God, I could barely keep my eyes open on a Friday night when I first started teaching and I really did spend a lot of weekends working and working long hours is because in those first few years, you're trying to figure it all out. And whilst I just mentioned one of the perks is teaching and going into different places one of the problems is that there's so many inconsistencies so every school is different every yeah. system is different um, even year levels within schools can be different so you're constantly having to relearn that's not always a bad thing because it does allow for individuality and creativity but as a new teacher that can just put you into a whirlwind yeah and so like that's possibly one of the biggest challenges I think when I look back on everything yeah. And those are all the factors that I'm currently in now, like weighing up, like, what am I going to do? Cause I'm watching so many different schools implement so many different things, prioritize certain things and others, not so much. And it's, it's like, wow, now I'm like, it's, it's like the pros and cons of both. And I'm sitting here like weighing up so many different things because you go to one school and yes, it would be a state school. But if you go to another state school that it would be technically in the same district, they would have completely different mottos, completely different values. And then, yeah, yeah it's just so hard to choose. And yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I totally see that. I see that. And I, I raise you a hundred percent more into the topic of what we're going to speak about on the podcast today, all about wellness. What drove your passion for wellbeing? Mm. So interestingly kind of relates to what we were just talking about, because when I, so I started teaching in like um, 2007, I think 2007, 2008. And so I taught for a few years and then I went to London for three years and came back. And then I started to move into leadership positions. And when I was going into different leadership roles, I, as most leaders, started mentoring beginning teachers, taking on pre-service teachers um, and just doing lots of supportive things in that leadership role. And more and more, I was finding that teachers were coming to me saying, you know, they weren't coping, that they were feeling tired, that they were stressed, burnout, overwhelmed, all of those words that we're hearing so much more right now, or just I started to notice little things like teachers were working their entire weekend or were coming in tired because they'd been up to midnight planning. And I was like, this is just not okay. It, this is just, it's not okay for us to think that this is normal. And so a great mentor friend of mine at the time said, why don't you go and study some human behavior and coaching? And so I went and spent a number of years really digging into the human behavior aspects and elements of what makes us people and how we operate and function and doing some coaching studies. And then from there, it just kind of morphed. I, I had a blog for a number of years that I ran. I ran some short courses and it just grew into really becoming this pivotal support network for teachers who wanted to grow and focus on their well-being. And now I run my own business. I've got a book um, being published later this year. So I'm doing exciting. Yes, yeah, super exciting. Um, so lots of stuff happening, but really I just want to make teaching effective, efficient and easy for everyone. And I think we can do that when we learn how we work as people and when we learn how to kind of navigate the schools that we work in. And I think we need community. I think that's a real key piece missing. When you go into a school, you kind of just become stuck in the community that exists inside your fence of the school you work at there's yep. not a lot of networking opportunities or ways to gather or learn from each other I mean unless you join kind of like a Facebook group or something but they're not um, they're not controlled or monitored in a way that promotes this positive environment we need to be creating so I mean I, that, I kind of got there because I was supporting beginning teachers but then also my interest in just wanting people to be able to live a life in and out of the classroom I think that's yeah. so important 
and be able to like essentially we can't leave it at the door but you know you want to be able to stop thinking about working all the time and it's really hard obviously not to because you always have things at the back of your mind but think about it we literally get paid for six hours of the day there's no way that every single teacher gets paid like actually does six hours of work every single day it's way more than that and Yeah. yeah I totally see that passion for it what would you say is your um top tips for incorporating well-being into the 21st century classroom I think like that point you raised about getting paid for six hours a day comes up a lot and when I was a beginning teacher a mentor teacher a friend of mine said to me we kind of do 48 weeks worth of teaching in 40 weeks so we're a condensed profession so whilst we might get holidays Holidays in inverted commas, 100%. Yeah. But they're not. (laughs) Not. I mean, every teacher knows they're not. But what it does mean is that we kind of get this flexible time. And if we're able to use our term time, and yes, it does mean working more than six hours a day, we have these lovely periods in in the middle of the year where we can recuperate. Now, I'm not one to necessarily promote let's burn out and then crash for two weeks. I don't think that that's a way to function at all. Mm -hmm. But I think when I kind of realized, actually, you know what, holidays are there for us to be able to use if we need. And I think, you know, we can have conversation around work-life balance and whatever that looks like, but it's really up to you to decide. So one of the things I did when I was a beginning teacher was say to myself, you know what, I'm never leaving a Friday afternoon without Monday absolutely planned. So like if I get stuck in traffic, yeah. then it doesn't matter, I'm ready to go. And in actual fact, I would never leave without having most of that week plan so you want to be two weeks in advance really I think is the best way to think about mm-hmm. it yeah full resourcing and then going into holidays in weeks nine and ten if it's a 10-week term putting in the extra hours so you actually do get that break yeah like staying an extra hour or two a couple of days a week in those last few weeks because you know we have really intense work periods and then we have lull periods and it's about planning for when they happen and schools are pattern reports happen at the same time each year holidays are planned for us the big ticket items we usually know when they're coming we know when we're starting a new teaching unit when we know when we have to plan for it we know when we're going to have to create new resources all those things require extra time effort and energy so it's about thinking well hold on where do I need to have a better approach at this where do I need to be more productive when am I going to need to put more time aside and then when can I back off a bit I think that's a key piece to being able to look after your well-being as you move into this, the phase of what teaching looks like 100%. now. Yeah, I stand by that. And I've, I've tried to exactly implement those exact practices into my prax. So whenever I was on prax, like the recent one that I just did for six weeks straight, I made sure that by the time I left on Friday, that my whole next week, because obviously on prac, you have to do those goddamn lesson plans. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were all done by the time Friday afternoon so that I could just relax and debrief on the weekend. Yeah. And I know yeah. the workload is so much more when teaching, but like you said, they, I was watching so many teachers while I was on placement because the reports were being done while I was on prac. And these teachers was like, I have this to do and I have this to do and this, and then I've still got a plan next week. And it's just like, I understand that the pressure of reports is mental. The school that I was at, the turnaround time for assessment and then marking, moderation and then reporting was beyond a joke. Like I've never seen anything like it in my life and it's unfeasible. So teachers literally did not have a choice but to work till midnight because some of them had an assessment on the Monday and they had to, they just had like a template as such for the report comments for the students and they had to mark it that night and the reports were due the next day. It's just unreasonable, like absolutely unreasonable. And those are the things that you don't know until you get into the school and you're already locked in. And it's just like, well, what can I do? 
Exactly. And they're the things that I would put under the banner of workplace wellbeing. So that sits inside the organisational system structures and processes that either impact or support wellbeing. And they're some of the shifts that schools need to be making if they really want to look after their teachers. Like what are our processes or systems or structures that we have that impact the wellbeing of our teachers? That's not a standalone example. I've come across that more than once. So and many. that is something we need to shift because that is impacting the wellbeing of all educators and the people who suffer, not just our teachers, are our students. 100%. Like you're not putting your 100% in the next day. No. You can't. Well, you're tired and then you haven't got time to make any adjustments or differentiate from the day before or not even really be present in your lessons because you're thinking about everything else that you have to do. So many things. So, so many things. What would you say um, are your top tips for teachers who wish to incorporate more well-being into their lives? So say, for instance, like physical, mental or spiritual, because obviously we have like we've been speaking about, we have such a crazy schedule when it is in the middle of a school term. How can teachers implement some more practices that are going to promote healthy well-being? Hmm. I really think about these as my non-negotiables. So you want to develop daily practices that are your non-negotiable no matter what else is happening. And for me personally, I have to kind of do these things first thing in the morning. Otherwise they don't happen. My day is too busy. Even when I was uh, teaching, I still actually follow that same routine. I even like I almost live my life to a bell, even though I'm not in a school and I work from home now, but I'm so regimented in that routine. And I think there's some positives to that because you can work with in those timeframes that you have. So the first one is to ask yourself, how do you want to feel each day? Because that's ultimately what your well-being is. It's not about all of the things that you do. It's about how you feel, who you want to be in terms of a teacher, a person, a partner, a parent, a friend, and then what do you need to do to allow that to happen? So if you want to feel organized, calm, um, happy, energized, then what are the things you need to do for that in your daily routine and your non-negotiables? So is it moving your body each day? Is it making sure you get a good night's sleep, which means putting the phone away before bedtime and actually having a sleep routine. And, you know, I, I coach a lot of people on how to do these things. It sounds simple, but but they're not as simple as otherwise we'd all be doing them, right? Yeah. It's, it's thinking about, am I preparing nutritious food that's going to energize me and get me through the day? Or am I rummaging through the snack drawer at 3 p.m. because I just haven't had time to eat? It's taking time to eat. It's thinking, what do I have coming up tomorrow that I need to plan for? And then also putting some boundaries in place, which I know is a bit of a, hot topic word at the moment, mm. but it really is about saying what's okay for me right now and what isn't. And your boundaries can be flexible and they can be changed and they can change. And it might mean that, you know, you don't work at home, but when report writing comes around, you do because, you know, you've got to put a little bit more energy and effort into it. So it's really just about deciding how do you want to be and how do you want to feel? And then yep. what do you need to do? And sometimes like I think back to the time where I decided I wasn't going to have emails on my phone anymore. And I'd been, I'd worked late that evening and then I came in early the mor- in, in the morning and my principal was like, oh, what do you think about that email? And I just said, I don't know what you're talking about. And they said to me, well, haven't you seen it? You know, it came through last night and I said, oh, I don't have my emails on my phone. I don't check them at home. Like, what have I missed? And there was a point of tension because the assumption was I should be checking my emails all the time. Oh so goodness. what time was the email sent? <laughs> well, I left at like five and was probably in at quarter to eight. So I think around ridiculous. Six no yeah. yeah but there's there's so there's an assumption and I think it will have it will change as we get a new generation of teachers come through that we're supposed to work all the time so I had to communicate in a, in a really kind way look I know I missed that email but I am looking after my own well-being so I'm not checking emails at home if it's an emergency you have my mobile number you can call me yeah I'm totally 
okay with that. But otherwise, I'll only be checking emails when I'm at work. So sometimes we have to communicate these things. Otherwise, an assumption is made that we, which was said to me, you don't value your job enough. No, because of your emails. Because I didn't have my emails on my phone. So see, these are the other things that they don't teach you in university, that emails are a huge thing as a part of teaching like it's a way to communicate with parents it's a way to communicate with admin and like I watched sat there and watched my mentor do so many emails over the six weeks and she's just like honestly like I reckon the teaching part is probably like 40 percent of your job like yeah there's so much other things that you need to do as well which is just I can't believe that they said that to you that's horrible it's all, yeah, but you you kind of face these things as you go through your career because you realize that other it's just a projection. It's just an, someone else putting that onto you, and they don't do that themselves, and maybe they want to. And so the first time when they hear something, remembering that it's a new thought. We've got new teachers coming in, going, "No, nah, I'm not cool with that." Yeah. And so older teachers are going to be like, "What is this?" And so yeah. we've got to be able to stand up together and say, "This is what it's about." I'm still doing my job. You know, the person who get, arrives first and leaves last doesn't isn't isn't the best teacher that's not how it works so we've got to shift those old paradigms of thinking that the more time you spend at school the better a teacher you are like that's not how it works if anything as new teachers coming through would be saying systemize as many things as you can put in as many systems structures and routines into your daily life and your classroom train your students up like with as many systems as you can, because the less guesswork you put into it, the more you can focus on teaching. And that goes for yourself as well as your students. Yeah, I love every second of that. Well, how would you say you would find explaining to teachers to stress less as such? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm asking also as a person who stresses a lot and I, when I have stress a lot, it's really bad, but it comes out on my skin and you can see it like so if you look back on my past like four or five years of my life anytime that I've had a stressful period and around that it shows up on my skin and it's hard to not stress about many things when you as a teacher you know you're an IT person you're a teacher you're a communicator with parents and admin like there's so many things that you've got to be thinking about at one time so how would you explain to teachers to try and improve on stressing less I would say, first of all, that stress is a completely normal human emotion. It's not good or bad. Like that, And there's healthy stress and then there's unhealthy stress. If you feel like you've got 20 things coming at you all at once, you are most likely going to go into a stress state because it's about survival. It's like fight, flight or freeze. How am I going to get through this? I need to protect myself. That's just our initial instinct. So often stress comes quickly. And when we're not aware of it or we let that emotion take over, that's when we can start to spiral and it can start to impact other things within our body. I too have, suffer from like stress, eczema, digestion issues. I don't sleep. Um, and I had to go through a whole journey of occupational burnout, which was also part of my story um, before I could really identify that. I think one of the worst things you can do is tell yourself you have to stress less. Um, yeah. It's actually probably more about going, okay, I'm feel like awareness is key. I'm feeling stressed right now that's okay. What's causing me this stress? Get it out on paper, like put it all down. Because often once you can see it, you kind of realize, okay, that mightn't be as bad as I think. And you can prioritize tasks if it's a doing stress. But then sometimes we have relational stress or we have experience stress. So if you have relational stress, which is like peer-to-peer stress, if we're or colleagues, if we're talking about colleagues in the workplace and someone's working relationship with you is causing stress, The more you sit in that and don't do something about it, the harder it becomes. So part of managing our well-being is having those difficult conversations around 
perhaps this isn't working for me. I'd like to try this a different way, asking help. Or then if you're feeling stressed, because sometimes we just don't know what to do. Again, we've got to go and seek help and be solutions focused. So totally feel the stress, but we really want to get to the core of it and shift it because the the, the quicker we're able to identify what is causing the stress, what the pattern is, how we can get around it, the quicker we can do it next time. And so we don't continually sit in it. And then, of course, you can use lovely self-care and mindfulness strategies as well, walking in nature, talking to someone about it, sitting down and watching TV and not using your brain at all to not think about it, um, getting a massage, all of those lovely things which help on top. But I'm a big believer in we don't want to just rely on those Band-Aid solutions. I mean, yes, they're lovely and um, all for self-care but they're not they don't always get to the the root of the issue so we want to get as as deep into the core problem as we can so that doesn't keep repeating got to find the issue yourself yeah and I like you were saying like prioritizing the tasks and the thing that I think teachers as well and he's got to be the easiest way to practice is to-do lists like oh, they're always, just yeah. always like and I feel like I had I have a few people message me sometimes and they're like how do you get so much done in a day I think it is mild ADHD, adult ADHD, to be honest, because I can never sit still. And I'm always, I, I've done so many things this year, but also I write lists for my lists. And I think everybody yeah. that is listening can like solidify crossing off something on your list. It could be yeah. something simple as reading an email and then replying to an email, make that two separate tasks and crossing them off is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. The other thing I used to do with lists is I used to keep a work list and a home life list. Nice. So here's all the stuff I need to do in the in the workplace for teaching. Here's all the stuff I need to do in my home life so that my life doesn't get crazy. And then I would look at that list and think, what are the things I need to do today so that tomorrow's easier? Mm-hmm. And that's how I would prioritize. It was never about what do I want to do? Because I usually wanted to do the easiest stuff and that wasn't always the most helpful. Yep. So you want to do things that are going to make tomorrow easier so tomorrow's less stressful. Yep, I love that. And then another great thing once you have your list and your priorities is to schedule them. So this is like around why building routine and structure is important. So if you have a list and you know that you have to do maths planning, example, every Wednesday afternoon is maths planning. So what you're doing to your brain then is you're saying to it, on Wednesdays we plan maths, which means Wednesday morning, unconsciously, your brain is like, oh, yeah, we're doing maths planning after school this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting ready for it. Because often what happens is we've got lists and then we've got other stuff and then Wednesday afternoon rolls around and you're like, oh, I really should do something, but I don't know what to do and I don't know what to choose and I'll just go talk to the teacher next door and you've wasted 45 minutes. Like we can't be doing that. Yeah, prioritising your time, 100%. I love that. Um, Thank you so much for sharing all of your wise thoughts and obviously researched hell of a lot and you've obviously made a book as well you said give us a little plug tell us about the book tell us where we can find you on instagram as well i'm so excited for all the listeners to find you and follow you on instagram as well fun uh okay so my book is all about teacher well-being and it looks at everyday well-being that you can take on yourself but then it also looks at workplace well-being which is the responsibility of the collective so how we can move forward in terms of teams and teachers and what school leaders can do so that'll be out in november which is really exciting so you'll be able to grab that and alongside that, I'll be launching, moving into 2023, a teacher wellbeing hub library. I haven't quite got the name down pat, but basically it's 12 months that. we get to hang out with me. There'll be a module every month on all of the stuff we've talked about, but much more in depth. And then that online community that you can connect with 
as much as you need and then live sessions each month. So that means you need to follow me at underscore the wellness strategy on Instagram because that's where I will be sharing all of this stuff. There's a bunch of stuff on there now um, so that you can go on and follow and look at and share. Uh, yeah. And that's it's beautiful. Yeah, she's oh, honestly, Amy's got the most amazing content on there. Even if you just go onto her page, Noni, if you haven't followed her before, she has does many, many videos of just like telling tips and tricks of how to improve your well-being. So even prior to the book coming out in November, there is a wealth of knowledge even just on yeah. Amy's Instagram. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Amy, for jumping on the podcast. It was so nice to finally get this underway. It was. It was great. It was a long time coming. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.